Okay, I think that we should just launch into it. And so one of the things that um, has been on my heart uh, is, as you know, last time that I was here, Bible verses that bug me. <laughs> and so how many of you were here last time? I was here about a year ago. And so we talked about Pharaoh, you know, that really bothered me, that whole Pharaoh thing. And I think we sorted that out. And so there's lots of Bible verses that bother me. So this could be like going to the next century because, you know, but it's, it's important for us if we have a scripture that bothers us, we really should work on it till we work it out. Because that is where I think we find that true illumination from the Father. And so here's another Bible verse that bothers me. And I would like to get some feedback from some of you. So we have a couple of microphones when I ask questions if you want to participate. Okay? And so here's the Bible verse that bothers me. For if you give men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men of their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive you. That really bothers me because it seems really harsh, especially when we know when people have wounded us and we have to be real about it, we don't always forgive. So what does this mean? If he doesn't forgive us because we haven't forgiven someone else, what are some of the things that might happen to us? Any ideas? I was always taught you would go to lockdown, which is a very, really polite way of saying, you're going to hell, right? Anybody else hear that? that if you don't forgive, you go to hell? It's because you guys are really polite in England. Maybe nobody goes to hell in England. Everybody in America goes. And so, <laughs> especially in the current political climate. And so, <laughs> sorry, just had to throw that out. And so, so it's a real kind of, it seems overly harsh with a God that is supposed to be so incredibly loving. And so that Bible verse bothers me. So I think that what we should do is we should talk about forgiveness today. Okay? So if I have, I have a microphone here. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Um, when I think about forgiveness or when you think about forgiveness, what are some words that you would use to describe when you think about forgiveness? And Jules, could you help with that? Anybody want to answer that? Just raise your hand, make a contribution. Okay, Graham, that means you're up. <laughs> He's my plant. And so, um, Graham, what do you think when we think about forgiveness? And let's use a microphone real quick. Are you guys used to doing stuff like this, writing stuff? Okay, we want to see some hands come up, okay? Well, I, I think I'm in trouble. Yeah? Uh, somebody else is in trouble. Right. And if it's not sorted out, then a lot of people are going to be in, in, in trouble. It's like loose ends. Okay. What else? What words would you think of or use to describe when you forgive someone? Yes. Hold on. Don't say it yet. He's running. <laughs> yes. I always think of letting go of anger. Letting go. Letting go of anger. What else? Oh. Peace. Pigs. Oh. Peace. What was that? Let go of the wrongdoing. Let go of wrongdoing. Peace. What else? Uh, I was going to say difficult. When you think about forgiveness, it's, it's very difficult. difficult. Yeah, can be. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you another question. 
How many of people have forgiven someone? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever been forgiven? How many of you have not forgiven someone? Okay. So what words would you use now to describe when you don't forgive someone? Graham? <laughs> oh, don't let me. Stuck. Stuck? Stress? Bad news and, and difficulty and yeah. embarrassment. Okay. Anger? Stephen? Hold on, Stephen. A, a bitterness that goes right down to your gut. Yeah, bitterness. Urgh. You know, you see that person at, at Tesco? It's the Tesco, right? And not Walmart. And, and you're like, oh, go down the other aisle. Okay. Self, ever, selfishness. When selfishness. you don't forgive somebody, you feel as though you're keeping it in, and that hurts as well. I always felt powerful. I had power over them. And so I'm not going to forgive them. They need something from me, but I'm not giving it to them. And so I have power over them. Sorry, I disagree with that. Okay. They have power over you. Because you, yeah. are carrying the, you are carrying the burden. That's right. They've forgotten all about it. You mean nothing to them. Mm -hmm. You're carrying the burden. But see, that's, he's right. It's an artificial sense of power. You think you have something over somebody, but you don't. So very good. Mm -hmm. I've heard um, unforgiveness described as you drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. <laughs> I've heard that. That's very good. That's right, very good. Okay, well, let's keep talking about forgiveness, and let's see what we learn from with science. Studies show us that people who don't forgive are more likely to suffer from a few things. Broken relationships, depression, mental illness, physical illness, more feelings of loneliness and isolation, difficulty in connecting with life purpose and meaning, an inability to connect with others for long term, difficulty in trusting, fear of loss, and a lack of resiliency. And this is the short list because there's lots of reasons or lots of things that happen to us when we don't forgive. And so let's take a peek at another scripture. And what I want to do is kind of do a case study in order to understand that scripture that bothers me. So let's look at this in Luke. Luke chapter 7, verse 47. And the backstory to this is Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. His name was Simon. And Jesus goes in there, and they're talking. And he's kind of laying on his side, and his feet are behind him. And that woman, you know, we capital T-H-A-T, -T, that woman shows up, <laughs> okay? And she starts to really show a great amount of attention to Jesus. And so let's spend some time with this to see if it gives us some clues on forgiveness. And this is what it says. Jesus is speaking and he says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, not just a few, have been forgiven because, that's the word, because she has shown me what? much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows a little love. I found that very interesting. And what I really got from that is to love much is to forgive much more. 
So I think that's one of the clues that we have. And so the question is, is it possible then that you can measure how much and how deeply you love God by how much and deeply you forgive others? I think that's a good question, and we probably should try and look at that. So let's look at two pathways that people take when they decide to forgive, because there really are two paths. The first one is the most traveled path. Most people use this, and you're going to be very familiar with this particular path. And the second one is the least traveled. And you might not be familiar with it at all, so it's worth looking at. So path one. It's kind of like being on training wheels. It's your, your first exposure to forgiveness. And we call it path one. And it's for who? Me. And why would it be for me? What do I need when I forgive? Any answers? I need peace of mind. I need relief. And so it allows me to move on. When I forgive someone, and especially in psychology, and oftentimes even from our pulpits, we hear pastors or our counselors say, look, you need to move on. Shake the dust off your feet and just go on. Just don't for, just forgive them. Let it go. Move on. How many of you have ever heard that? We all have heard that. And so we're, we try to do that. It comes from our emotions because we're wanting to have relief. We're in a lot of pain. We need relief. We're trying to get some kind of relief. Let's just forgive them so we can move on. And as I said, it gives me relief. Because after a while, have you ever met somebody who was really deeply wounded? And then over a period of time, it seemed like that wound festered and got worse and it occupied so much of their life. And it didn't just stay with that one person, suddenly it began to spill over into other relationships. Have you ever met that person? Or maybe for yourself it's happened. And you become an advocate for yourself. Maybe you try to get other people involved. Do you know what she said? Do you know what he said? Do you know what they did? Because we're trying to still get relief by getting other people in our court. If we have more people on our side, so we're out there kind of doing the pollster thing, trying to get people to come over on our side. And it has what we call the pastime orientation, which means what? We're looking what? Behind us. We're looking to the past. And we might say, Jilly, do you know what she did to me 12 years ago? I have not forgotten. Okay? That's what happens. It's a past orientation. We look to the past. It's one-sided. It's for you because you're an advocate for yourself. And we have this listed as the limited to no learning. There's very little learning. And it's largely because the way our brain is designed, our brain actually begins to shut down in certain regions because we're not problem-solving our way out of this. We're struggling with it. We can't seem to fix it. And because we're wounded, maybe we're not willing to fix it because we don't want to let go of the pain because sometimes we find identity in that pain, okay? And we become a victim. There's a second path I want to talk about, and let's take a look at this. Path two says it's for others. Allows others to move on. Comes from prefrontal cortex, which means I'm making an intentional decision and working it out. I'm thinking about the other people. I'm not 
so much upset about myself anymore. I'm actually showing more concern and empathy for the offender. It gives others relief. It's an advocate for others. Who else did that? Who is an advocate for other people? We're in church. That's your first clue. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. And it has what is the unlimited learning model, which means my mind is open. I'm not holding things in. I'm very open to learning some new things and not the kind of things that say, oh, yeah, never meet with that person again and bad-mouthing that person. Boy, I learned the hard way. That's not the kind of learning I'm talking about. I'm talking about the learning that makes us better human beings, not just to us, but to those who offend us. We have a future time orientation, which means I'm looking where? I'm looking forward. Because my hope is in my future. It's two-sided. Now it's not just for me, it's for the other person. So we've included another group here. And this is where we develop resiliency. Okay. So let's take a look at these and we compare them. What's the main difference? Just what do you think? Yeah. One is for who? Yeah, for self. And the other one is for the other person. So we're going to talk about moving into the other path. Now, let's look at that scripture again in Luke. Then turning towards the woman, he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, here's what I find interesting about this. This woman was the sinner, right? That woman. How come she was at Simon's house? How'd she get in? He's a Pharisee, right? So that would probably be another time we could talk about that because that would probably bother me for a while also to find out why she was there. And so let's look at the two and we'll contrast them in that scripture. Simon the Pharisee versus woman the sinner. Okay, let's see what they did. Simon said, or Jesus is saying to Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. That seems like a huge difference. Don't you see that? What do you think's happening here? Let's take a look. She treated Jesus differently than Simon because what? She saw him differently. How did she see Jesus then? When she's looking at him, how is she treating him? With love, the Son of God. And so she actually had eyes that saw Jesus, the Son of God, and she began to pour love onto Jesus because she was seeing him the way God was seeing Jesus. Those are the eyes that she was looking for. And so when she's pouring out this love on Jesus, it was an illustration of how God was pouring out love on her, or through her, to Jesus. Do 
You follow? Do you see that? And yet Simon, what was he doing? Nothing. He was doing absolutely nothing. Because you see, God wants to flow through you to show his love to somebody else. He's wanting to pour himself out and recklessly show love to other people, usually those who hurt us. So what do you think, which path was Simon on, do you think? Path one or path two? He was on path one. And she was on path two. So we're getting this wonderful experience now. And her eyes are starting to open that, oh my goodness, maybe I've been on path one when I'm forgiving. Because I haven't really understood what path two is all about. Because path two is about experiencing God's view of us. That's what it's all about. Because path two is about healing. Now, when I wanted, I went through a situation that brought me a great deal of pain. And I was working from path one. And so I would say, okay, I'm going to forgive because I have to forgive. Okay. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And I'd be like, I forgave, I'm feeling good. And then I would see that person or hear about that person, and it was like somebody stabbed me with a knife. And I was like, ooh, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And I was doing this all the time, and I had a lot of pain with it. And so I thought, how can't, why can't I get rid of this pain? Something brings it up. I'm okay for three months, I'm okay for four months, and then something happens, I hear a song, and then it all happens all over again. I didn't want to live like that. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day, and he said, ask, and I will show you how I see them. So what do you think I said? Bring it home? No, I did not. I said, I know what you're trying to do, (laughs) and no, I'm not going to pray that, (laughs) because I am what? Angry and hurt, and I want to remind you why I am angry and hurt, just in case you missed it. Because I honestly was hanging on to that pain because it was a reminder to me that somebody else did something wrong. And I wanted them held accountable for it because accountability is big, right? I wanted them held accountable for it. And so the next day, ask me, and I'll show you how I see them. And this happened day after day. And finally, I said, okay, but just a little bit. Don't do it all at once. I don't, I don't want to, because I know what's going to happen. I need to warm up to this. And so a little at a time, I began to see those who wounded me the same way she saw Jesus. And I began to see them the way God saw them. And that was very different because he is crazy about them. He loves them. And as much as I would hope that he didn't like them, because after all, they offended me. And I wanted him to take my side. He loves them as much as he loves me. And he died for them just like he died for me. And they have value just like I have value. And I realized I'd been hanging on to the need to make them pay. 
Because even though I said I forgave them and tried to ignore them and tried to bury it, I really hadn't forgiven because I couldn't see them through the eyes of, through the eyes of God. In fact, when we're supposed to bless our enemies, I wasn't praying that because I didn't want them to be blessed, so I stayed silent. I wouldn't pray blessings just in case God happened to answer that prayer. I didn't want that to happen. So if something bad happened to them, do you think I rejoiced or felt bad? I rejoiced. I was so happy. <laughs> I said, you know what? God is punishing them. So sorry for them. And when they would get blessed, I would remain silent. Because it, I felt like they were mocking me. And so my heart had been hardened. As I began to pray every day, for them, some interesting things started happening. My heart changed. I suddenly had compassion for these people. I suddenly saw their worth. I saw that they had gifts and talents. They had a purpose in life. And I started seeing all the strengths in them that they had and began to talk about it. I started thinking differently about them. I did, when I thought about them, I didn't feel like somebody stabbed me in the stomach. My words changed about them. I began to bless them. And now I was moving into the blessing. Now I could say, you know, they are so smart. This is what they could do. And wow, look at, look at these people. Look what they could make a contribution. They just need to tap in. Father, show them how much you love them. Let them see how much you love them. And my behavior towards them changed. I wasn't going to ignore them. If I saw them at the store, I was going to be warm with them. I was going to be the first person to reach out. I was the victim originally, but I knew I needed to be the person to reach out. I don't know what they're thinking. I know what I'm supposed to do, though. Jesus reached out. He was the victim, but he reached out. Okay? Back to Matthew. For if you give men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. So now this took a very different light on for me. See, path two is about restoration. It's about healing. It's about wholeness. It's about inclusiveness. And that's what he was wanting to show us, that this scripture does not mean you're excluded because forgiveness is always about inclusiveness. It's never about exclusion. That's how he wants it to be. We've messed it up. We've taught it incorrectly because we're excluding people with the forgiveness piece. You're not good enough. You didn't, you, you're, God's going to exclude you. Path two allows God to love the offender through you. Just like she loved Jesus because she had those different eyes. And the reason why he wants to do that is he wants to love them through you the same way he loved you through Jesus. And when we see others through the eyes of God because we're asking to see others the way he sees them, he will do something for you you will not expect. He will open your eyes and let you see yourself the way he sees you. And for most of us, 
when we're sitting here and we say, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what my thoughts are. You don't know what my words are. You don't know how angry I am or how hurt I am or how broken I am or how unfit I am. He looks past all of that. And he says, really? Let me show you how I see you. And suddenly, you see yourself the way that God our Father sees you. And the healing that you were looking for on path one will then occur on path two. Those benefits that he has for us are unlimited. And so we have to remember, Jesus didn't get an apology. Jesus didn't forgive because he needed to move on. Jesus didn't forgive because he needed to re-engage with life. Jesus didn't forgive because he was saying, I've just got to move on. I can't do this anymore. And he didn't need relief. Jesus forgave not because he needed anything. He forgave because we needed everything. That's why he forgave. The healing you are seeking is on path two. And so my parting words to you is I want you to think about the two paths. And I know that it's, it can take a first step to say, Lord, help me to see them through your eyes. And I know that is the big leap but the only thing you're going to give up is your pain. And he calls us to be broken vessels because he, his oil flows so easily through a broken vessel. And oftentimes, the people that wound us the greatest, we are the ones that are supposed to speak life back into them. That's the, that's the message that he wants us to understand. Forgiveness is about bringing that message. It's something to think about.